Welcome to Brothers Red, the unique LFC fan podcast brought to you by Five Brothers. I'm joined this week by Fran, Paddy and Andy. We're missing Matt this week, who is simply uh, inconsolable after Liverpool have lost their unbeaten home record at Anfield, losing to Burnley 1-0. It's now five Premier League games without a victory. Liverpool find themselves in the middle of a crisis. It's probably Jurgen Klopp's first crisis since he joined the club. Fran, it was an unbelievably disappointing result against Burnley. Where do we go from here? Well, I think the result was seriously um, hampered Liverpool's title bid. I think that's clear to say, especially with the the tricky fixtures that are coming up. But I think for the game itself, I just think Liverpool's decision-making and sort of hopeless crossing into the box just really played its part in Liverpool's defeat against Burnley. Everyone knew what Burnley's game plan was before the start of the game. So obviously keep it tight, be compact and keep it nil-nil for as long as possible and get the opportunity some stage at the game and then hold on. And that's effectively what, what they did. It's an interesting point about uh, that Fran makes about Trent James. How many times in the game did he fire the ball into the box it seemed without any aim. And usually he's so effective, isn't he, Trent, with those balls into the box. But I don't think even one of those was effective against Burnley. And it becomes so frustrating because it became clear early on that you're playing a team which is fairly robust in the air. And they were gobbling up all of the crosses. And yet we persisted all game. There was no change, alteration in the approach, which was clearly fatally flawed against that Burnley team. I don't know why you've not got an individual in that team saying, look, we need to change up the approach. Or more so, why is Klopp not filtering through to the players at half-time saying that we need to change the approach? Well, James, as Andy rightly says, how many times do you play against Burnley or you see Burnley playing and it's always, when they're scoring goals, if it's not set-piece, you know, crosses into the box, the, the big aerial players... And for Liverpool, they seem the approach during the game was to ping the ball into the box and try and beat him in the air to score a goal. Now, that doesn't work. And I think there was three fundamental problems with the game. So first of all, as we rightly lack in confidence. Levels of confidence are not up. So that's a contributing factor. Secondly, wrong decisions. And I think it's a big part. And Klopp's alluded to that in his interview. Too many times Liverpool are making the wrong decisions in the final third because I think overall the performance against Burnley wasn't particularly poor in terms of work rate or, you know, willing to try. I think it's just a combination of, as I've I've said, wrong decision-making, hopeless crossing, because that's what it was, and just just a confidence level. It's interesting on that confidence point, Fran, because what I was thinking is that there's definitely in this team, James a confidence crisis. But I'm struggling to work out how that is possible with a team who over the last two or three seasons have been mesmerising, have been amazing, have reached the zenith of world football. How it, How is it that over four or five games we can, we can crumble in confidence? It's so strange to me that I, I was thinking two or three games ago that it would just take one goal in order to release the, the tension in the team. But it just, 
now seems, I don't know if you agree, Paddy, that it does seem that this confidence at the moment is something that is significant, which I don't know how this has happened, this this rot has managed to attach itself to, to the team. You usually see it with uh, one player. I remember Crouch come in and it was just a thing for him that he couldn't score and in the end he scored a, a fluke. But I've never seen it with a full team over the course of five matches. Um, I think we've only got one goal in the last five matches. I was just looking at the XG and and the amount of shots we've had. I think we've had uh, 86 shots with one goal in the last five games. So you'd think 86 shots, you'd think one go in. I mean, when we played Villa, they had three deflected shots. And Firmino alone has had 16 shots. And Salah has had 12 shots. It's just... Just staggering numbers. It just seems to be a freak. We just need a goal to, to, to lift the fog. I'm, I'm actually pretty optimistic at the moment. The results have been dire. But I look at the pattern of the game and I look at all the statistics behind the game, just watching it, we're doing most of the right things. The defence looks quite steady. It was great to have Matic back in there. The midfield looks like it's, it's winning the ball. And I think perhaps maybe the... They are passing a bit sideways, but I think having Shakiri in there added a little bit of something against United and against Burnley. There was a few more shots, there was a few more through balls. I think all that's happening is we're breaking down at the last moment. So it's the last cross and it's the last shot. Like we had 27 shots against Burnley. It's just fine margins between a good connection and a not a good connection. And that's nothing you can nothing you can train the players just need to get it in the head that I'm going to put this top in. I'm going to I'm going to score this goal, and that's just that's just just that little bit of difference in mindset is the only thing that we're lacking. I can recall one save that the keeper had to make for Burnley. Pope was it? And even all these shots, these shots were just we had the inside inside the bar with Divock. Yeah, that, was, so that was a, that was a big chance. But other than that, I can't. He made a good save against Salah at the near post. And I think there was another one. He made two really good saves. But for the, tw- the twenty-five shots that you you said, or twenty-seven, 27. come on! I mean that that shows James, doesn't there? There's been such a drop in this team. The fact that in a game, normally in the first twenty to thirty minutes, Liverpool just knocking on the door with constant chances, not just chances, but ones which are near misses. The fact that he can go throughout the whole game and not really, other than in my view, the Divock chance, have a clear cut, almost a sitter chance that is concerning and I remain less optimistic than you Paddy I think there's as these games are creeping on now it becomes more concerning because we're just slowly losing or being cut cut adrift from the pack let's talk about the Burnley game for a moment first of all the lineup Klopp makes two significant offensive changes Shaq stays in the team Origi comes off the bench Oxlade Chamberlain comes off the bench and Mo and Bobby are benched, which is a very significant uh, decision to make. Uh, you look at the match itself, Liverpool seem, as you said, to be raining in crosses, but none of those crosses are actually going to their intended targets. We've massively increased the number of shots that we're taking, which seems like a sensible tactic. As Paddy said, we've had 27 shots, but only six of them were on target. So we've increased the number of shots, we've increased the number of crosses. What we haven't done, crucially, is increase the quality of those particular things. There is a a bit of a trend on this. I think that we are struggling 
to produce quality opportunities. You look at a lot of the matches this season, uh, we've scored goals, but it doesn't look as though we're getting lots and lots of shots on target or very good opportunities. In the Newcastle game, just to go back a little bit, we had eight shots, three were on target. Against Southampton, when we lost, we had seven shots, three were on target. Against United, we had 17 shots, but only three were on target. So we increased the the shot output in that match, but only three were on target. And, and the same again against Burnley. So it's a real question of quality over quantity. Liverpool are practising quantity over quality at the moment. You can't help but go back to that opportunity that Divs has, has before half-time. He's cleaned through. It was fortuitous. He's got to score. And the fact he doesn't score rather explains why our XG is probably approaching eight over those five games and we've scored once. Uh, we should have scored eight if you accept, you know, the XG principles. And we've scored one. So it's a massive crisis of confidence that we've got at the moment. It looks to me, Fran, as though Trent is really struggling. Uh, he was the first off the pitch the other night. Clearly, he's very personally invested with the team as a, as a scouser. Um, he's really struggling. And it looks as though the boys up front are really struggling. We've also then got a situation where we've conceded a late goal and actually lost the game. So for, for me, that shouldn't have been a penalty. I don't know what you guys thought. I think it got lost in the bigger situation. But I don't know what your thought on that, Fran, was. Well, just moments before that, I was kind of coming to the conclusion that Liverpool are not going to get a result today. I kind of thought it's going to be nil-nil. I started sulking a little bit. It was almost like a little schoolboy. Hmm. I felt like walking out the room and going to bed and just <laughs> just completely just not watching the rest of the game. And, and I had to talk about Liverpool having a hard look at themselves. I think I had to, I had to have a little hard look at myself that evening because I thought, <laughs> end of the day, it's, it's football and... But you rightly said, we we just, the penalty came about and I thought it was very, very harsh. Maybe it's obvious for us to kind of say that we thought it, thought it was harsh as being Liverpool fans. But I think any time as a keeper com coming out, as Ali does, and he'd not put a foot wrong, as he, for so long. And he, he, he just comes out and um, Barnes, as any striker would, they kind of make, make more out of it, don't they? I think there was there wasn't much contact, but I think when you slide in, yes. then you're you're increasing the chances, aren't you, of the player going down? Yeah, it's preemptive contact. If you notice his foot, he just leaves it behind him, and it almost makes contact with Ali. So I don't think it was. I mean, Ali coming out, of course, he's he's there to make the contact. But if you just see, it's a common tactic that strikers use now is they leave the leg hanging out, and as soon as that leg makes contact with the keeper and they go to the canvas. It's a penalty because the ball passes the keeper, doesn't it? And as soon as that happens, you leave the referee, in my view, with... with... But it, what I'm trying to say is it wasn't a suplex on the canvas, was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't. I don't think it was a, a clear and conspicuous foul, but looking back on the video replay, I can see why it was given. I completely disagree. I didn't think it was a pen at all. I think penalties can be given depending on who it is in the situation. Mane had a shot moments earlier and the defender wipes him out. Hmm. What is the difference between Barnes and Mane there? They both have took a touch away from goal 
and the defender or the keeper has caught them. The difference is, is that the defender actually fouled Mane, whereas the difference with Ali is Barnes is stumbling into the box, hasn't got control of the ball, and then sees an opportunity. And watch the replay. He jumps, he jumps at Ali, jumps over him. Ali's leg is flat on the floor. And he he then puts his leg in the air towards Ali's. Yeah. He, he kicks his, his leg, moves out and extends so that he trips on Ali. This is what I said about the common tactic that they that the strikers deploy. But in the in the current climate, Paddy, you have to agree that that is a penalty, isn't it? No, I don't. But I don't think it was. He simulated because he's dove over Ali and left his leg out. He's he simulated the contact. He didn't have control of the ball. And he could have easily avoided Ali there. And it just depends on where the goalkeeper is. We all talk about if it's a cross, the goalkeeper's allowed to... Like, I hate using it, but the Pickford one. Pickford got... He, he got told that he was fine by some, some, some commentators because he made himself big and spread and used his legs. That's all Ali's done here. He's, he's come out, slid and made himself big for the shot. The shot was going wide. And so what he does, he tucks his legs in like that. It's a pen. I think it's a pen. I think if you substitute that for a Liverpool player and they go down, I, I think the pen, you'd want your player to get a pen for that. If Mane on the other side at the end of the pitch had done that and been clipped by the keeper, even if he'd left his leg out, you'd, you'd be up and down claiming it should be a pen. The, the, the problem is, though, I think Paddy is drawing the, the distinction between the two incidents, which, which should be compared in that he doesn't believe that Ali actually made contact so as to cause Barnes to lose his balance. I agree with him. It was a dive. Um, I don't blame Barnes for doing it because that's what you know any forward should do in that situation, play for the penalty. But it was a dive, whereas with the Mane one, he was actually fouled. There's no difference between the two if you you know, work on the basis that the Ali one was a foul. The only difference is the context. The Ali incident looked like a penalty. It's a type of situation where referees give penalties. The Mane one didn't look like a penalty, but it's wrong. There's no difference between the two. Um, if there's contact on both, they're both penalties. It's just, it just got lost. And I don't think we should, we should gloss over it ourselves because... There is an issue, as we know, about VAR and refereeing decisions this season and Liverpool haven't had the rub of the green. And, and just because we're in the middle of a crisis uh, shouldn't mean that we should gloss over the fact that Burnley shouldn't have got a penalty. That was a clear and obvious error as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we can already see here there's a difference of opinion on that particular point. Um, guys, the, the, the bigger issue that we need to talk about moving away from the game is why are we in this crisis? Why have we run ourselves into this massive pit, this slump in form? It seems to me that this has been coming. It's a legacy of a, a whole host of factors. I'm not necessarily sure that this sort of slump was inevitable, but I think some drop-off in form was. I think that this particular situation has just come about because of a sequence of events that have led to a massive drop in confidence. What do you guys think is the reason for why we've gone five games um, lost? What is it? Is it? Is it twice now, and have only scored one goal? It's, it's difficult to pinpoint, James. I think, that, as you said, it there's 
there are mul- multiple factors at play. It must be said that having a team which has been disjointed from the outset of this season, losing key individuals, we've not managed to get that consistency in personnel. So we've had to chop and change. And even though you could say, well, how does the back line affect the front line? We know with, with Liverpool, there is a connection between the back and the front. So you've got players like Van Dijk, Matip, who can spread the ball across really quickly up front, which furthers Liverpool's blueprint of trying to catch teams off guard. Now, when you remove that and you start mixing up the midfield with different players, you just lose that consistency and it becomes less fluid. So I think that's one of the factors. Um, and we can't escape from the fact that the front three haven't just haven't been on fire. They've just they've had the chances, but it's that lack of quality in front of goal. For example, the last three games, Bobby has found himself in good positions. And ordinarily they would be opportunities where Bobby at least would test the keeper and he's not. Is there something with Bobby about this being a gradual decline? I mean, that's something that we've spoken about in the past. Is it also a factor that Bobby is a bit of a showman and likes to be in a, in a, in a, a capacity Anfield or in, a, in another stadium where there's actual fans there? Yeah. And I'm just wondering whether that's generally a point that here Liverpool are uh, the type of team perhaps who are most in the Premier League reliant on their own fans, certainly at home. How could it not affect Bobby? I mean, let's be honest, if you're a player and you have your own song, how could that not rejuvenate and reinvigorate you if you're playing? The absent, absence of, of the fan, the usual fan frenzy, in my view, is, is definitely a factor in why Liverpool have, have had such an abject um, performance. On, on the point of Bobby, it's, I think, a bit too premature to say that he's now reach the peak, you know, he's, he's past the peak of his powers. You know, let's look at it. He's 29. He's not lost his ability or capacity to change games, but he has the concerning aspect about Bobby, which I think can be distinguished from Salah and Mane, is that his decline has been, it can be traced back to um, from last season. There's not just a precipitous decline. There's more of a consistent and uh, gradual decline in his performances and I'm afraid that Bobby needs to pick up his performances quickly because we've got the return of Jota coming into the team soon and he, he may find, Bobby, that he's a more permanent fixture on the bench. There's many factors to why Liverpool are having this major now wobble, I think. But I just wanted to add an additional point without repeating what you've already said and just say that you picked up on the point, James, about the fans not being in the ground... I don't think Klopp likes this environment. Like, we all don't globally. But I think by Klopp not being able to put his arm around players before the game, so let's come away from the pitch and look at it in training, in scenarios where they're all gathering together, building up this rapport. I think it's different on the training ground and the way that they've had to readjust. You know, it's obvious that the crowds has a massive impact for Liverpool, but I also think... Klopp being able to, to have that influence, that he's that tall figure around the players. When Trent's not playing well, putting his arm around him, you know, giving him some confidence. The same with Bobby, giving him that confidence. And I think there's, there's, a, there's a wider contribution of factors here which uh, are not helping and assisting to the obvious problems 
with the obvious problems you've both talked about, the injuries, the lack of form. Have you got some spies in Anfield who give you some intel on how they're training? Even I want to cuddle. I want to hug off Klopp. <laughs> Boo, the, difficult, the difficult period we're going through. I need that. And I feel like some of the players just need that. And it's funny how since it's like we, we heard Klopp's rant about him saying that we we have to, um, we're doing everything that we've been told to do and that people can't see what, you know, he's had enough experience to know over managing how to deal with COVID around the ground and around the players. And I just think that's a factor, just, just to throw in for people to maybe consider. And I'm not saying that it's only me who's thought about it, but what I'm saying is there's other things outside off the pitch to say that may be contributing to this sort of confidence level. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, um, I think they're, it's quite an emotional team. It plays with intensity and energy. And I think not being able to draw that from, from the fans in match day and even from each other in midweek and from Klopp has an effect. I've also, I also think as well, the number of things that seem to have gone against us this season, I've just built and built and built and maybe, maybe they're just, they're just feeling sorry for themselves a little bit. And I think, I can't be too sad against that Burnley performance. I just thought it was unlucky. I think, we've said for years, this team's adversity monsters. What's going to happen? These, this team is just getting angry now that it's not performing well and something's got to give for me. I do think it's a matter of time before we're going to score three or four goals and the heavens are going to just open. I don't. Th- I think we all kind of agree, maybe not Andy, that Liverpool will return to form. But my, my only concern is, is whether it's too late. Now, this has turned into a bit of a major wobble, isn't it? And now we've got to be saying, do, when do we get to the stage where we're saying we're kind of downgrading now and battling for top four? Yeah, I think the interesting point here is that it appears to be a crisis of confidence. It appears to be a mentality issue in the squad. The thing to say is that every other Premier League team is having to deal with no crowds, the COVID situation. But it might just be that Liverpool are being affected by it all in a much more significant way, particularly at the moment. Uh, Maybe that the conditions were ripe for these sorts of um, things to come together and really lead to a slump in form. The, The only slight thing to say about, you know, bearing in mind that we all agree that the players are trying their best, it does look as though there's been a, a bit of a loss of desire and hunger and intensity and does that was that sort of you didn't get the impression when Burnley scored that Liverpool believed that they could get an equaliser let alone win the game um, and this is where Klopp's got to come to the fore he's got to try and pick up the players and like what you say Fran it's the Covid situation makes it a lot more difficult for the players don't forget it was the the pandemic that prevented us from celebrating the, the title win in front of the fans we had this massive break in the season. So Liverpool have been robbed of the opportunity to really um, enjoy that title win. It just seems as though there's a bit of a, a sort of football-related depression, uh, sort of an acute bout of um, anxiety that's come over the players as a result of all of these circumstances coming together. But if you look at it, I think losing that, that late goal against West Brom was the start of it all. Because we've not been perfect this season, but to lose uh, a goal against West Brom at home was a real sort of echo of the past, past failings. 
and then it's just gone from bad to worse. But there's something not quite right, is there, in terms of chance creation? And I don't know whether there is maybe more of a fundamental problem, but on a positive note, we only have to win one game. Because if we if we win one game, which we're capable of doing, then it's then a platform to, to build. And we're only halfway through the season. I mean, there's 19 games to play, 57 points still available. Is there something to be said that teams have now had, have had the opportunity to work out Liverpool? So there's been two or three seasons where most of the teams now know what a Klopp team looked like. They know that if you mess around with it at the back, the front three will punish you. So what we've seen in the last five or six games, uh, we've come up against teams who are, let's just say, towards the bottom of the table. So they're going to be compact, they're going to be low block, and they're not going to play around with it at the back. I think that's always been an historic problem for Liverpool when we've come up against the teams who are not going to be as adventurous. Can we break them down? I'm just hoping now that as we come into a phase where we're going to be playing teams towards the top half of the table, for example, Tottenham, that we're given the opportunity to unleash our usual approach, our usual high press, counter-attack football, because I don't think it's helpful having these games where we're against consistently teams that are going to be really defensive, because the frustration is building, isn't it? It's gradually building. We've got to this rut where we can't score, and having another defensive team... On the, at the next game it's just not helping the situation it's a good thought but we've, we've got to find that formula to beat the lower teams haven't we we can't play Spurs every week I, I don't think I'd want to play them every week anyway but I, don't think Spurs, I don't think Spurs is the right example because I think Spurs and United in particular do sit quite deep but I think maybe someone like Leicester or Wolves who are going to play against you maybe Leicester's a good example Wolves do sit a bit deep yeah mm-hmm. maybe we just need a team like that who's just going to stand up to us and we'll find space. Yeah, there was a couple of times against Burnley where Burnley gave the ball away. It's only two occasions and we look just a glimmer of what we usually play. Like, so Trent got the ball, quick pass to Salah, but teams are not giving us that opportunity because what they're doing is they're just hoofing the ball up and that ability to win the ball in their final third, it's, the opportunities are not arising. So we, we, we have to carve out a different route and... The personnel in the team at the moment is just a bit stagnant, I think, in terms of creativity. Yeah, I know, I know, I understand that. And I think maybe the style doesn't suit us. But if you have 27 shots against the team and, and maybe 40 crosses in, you expect a bit of quality to one-break that. So I just I just think a bit of quality's got to come through confidence. The players there, they've, they've won everything now, haven't they, pretty much? They're world-class players. If you give Barcelona or another team 27 shots, you'd expect them to put three or four away. And it's not happening at the moment. And, and, that's, and that's all it is for me. They've got, Andy, sorry, a, a bit of a free a free shot this weekend against United. Uh, it's the FA Cup. I mean, it's not a particularly lucrative competition. It's, it's a competition that's lost its lustre. Klopp has not focused on it at all. But we are playing Man United away. And I'm just wondering whether Klopp might pay a... A, a strong side in the hope that um, we can shake ourselves out of this funk that we've got ourselves into. Because, it, you know, it, it's it's like the other night, if, if Div scores that goal, then maybe we, we take we take the three points. It's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. I mean, it, I, I, I think th- there needs to be some, some shot to the system that's going to augur some sort of improvement because the danger is that we've not reached the nadir of this depression. 
it's going to get worse before it gets better. We've got to make sure that it that, that doesn't happen. We've got to make sure that we don't lose any more games and we actually start winning some games. And I don't quite agree that it's going to get worse before it gets better. I think we're already in a pretty dark predicament at the moment. But I think the United game represents, may, perhaps, I hope, an antidote to this mini-crisis in that it's a game which you you would hope all the players would be up for. As you say, it's a release from the pressures of the Premier League. It's an FA Cup game. It's a one-off game. You would hope that that would be enough to instil um, some energy in, into that Liverpool team, which, frankly, at the moment is in desperate need. The one point, James, I think you accidentally cut me off before, and it's a more interesting point, a bit wider point, perhaps as a pessimistic point, is maybe teams have cycles in that they have a three or four year cycle and then after that it doesn't quite work and that's the concern more broadly I have with the front three if you go across world football can you really see many examples of a front three um, or attacking players who've lasted three or four years they tend to have cycles where they're really effective and then it becomes less effective and I'm hoping that that is not something that's going to happen to the front three. The, the immediate example I could think of is, and it was referenced on Sky Sports, is the the Barcelona front three. What they tend to do over the years, and they've been incredibly successful, I think Carragher raised the point, is that they tend to change. They bring in a class player in order to freshen up the front three. And I don't know whether the argument can be made that Bobby, perhaps, and I know he's an easy target at the moment, is the one who's becoming a bit stale, and Jota may be the one who is replaced in order to give to reinvigorate that that side. I know it's a side point, James. I know we don't want to come back onto it, but I just thought it was an interesting point as to whether this Liverpool team you can only reach so much, you can only have so much okay. success. Yeah, yeah. But just to finish off, things have gone um, massively wrong this season, and we we brought Thiago and and Jota in to thrashen things up and to give us a new dimension. And they've both largely been injured. And then we've also had the massive uh, defensive crisis as well. So I think we've got to bear in mind that there's been very significant circumstances that have made things much more difficult for us this season. But we've got to turn it around. And maybe the United game on Sunday, uh, if we can get a good result, might give us a bit more confidence going into a game next week where we're not going to be playing a team with a low block, but who knows, it's Mourinho. Maybe it will be a, a low block against Spurs. Um, guys, I think um, we've just about ended on a sufficiently positive note to, to finish things up there. Let's hope we can get a win against United and start to turn the corner. This is a crisis. Uh, it's the biggest crisis that Jurgen Klopp has faced. But as fans, we've just got to stay behind the team um, and hope that um, FSG dip into their sizeable wallets and buy as a centre-half before the window's finished. Thanks very much for joining us this week on Brothers Red. Check out our Twitter, Twitter page on Brothers Red 5. Let's all try and keep the faith and get behind this team. Up the Reds. You've been listening to Brothers Red, an LFC fan podcast. Your host was James Cullen. Contributors were Matthew, Francis, Patrick and Andrew Cullen. Music and production by Helen Lyon. The best word I can say when uh, describe this was boom. <laughs> <laughs>